is that over time, right, if you can allow yourself the grace of time, over time, you're able to start looking back at some of these big stumbles and little falls and all of it and start to see the way that it guided you toward your true self. Sometimes the hardest decisions are the ones that bring forward the biggest opportunities, the deep learnings, and the most impactful life lessons. Erin Morahan is a mindset and wellness coach, bringing her life experiences and practices into a space where she helps others live their truest and most healthy life. Over the course of the pandemic, she was able to bring forward a massive lesson from ending a relationship into the work she does today. Welcome to The Safe Haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. The Safe Haven offers a collection of conversations about life's challenges and the pivots we make in order to keep moving forward. Erin was in relationship with someone in crisis for over five years, waiting and hoping for changes in his behavior, values, and perspectives. Having adopted the role of a fixer in many areas of her life, it was a retreat that she went on that brought her the deeper connection to herself that was necessary to trust her intuition and follow through with ending the relationship. Honoring herself helped Erin shift these learnings and lessons into some tremendous changes in her business as a mindset and wellness coach, where she leads from her heart. We jump into the conversation today after I've asked Erin to dive into some life pivots and asking what the biggest source of movement towards these lessons was. Oh gosh, I think that there's been so many in my life, but um, with everything that has happened throughout 2020, Um, Having to make some big decisions and move rapidly, I think really rapidly was key into change. Um, I realized just how vital my experience was, how many lessons I learned in a really big relationship with someone who I loved very much, but who was deeply, deeply addicted to alcohol. Um, I realized how much finding the courage to walk away from that relationship and then have the bravery to kind of rebuild my life. I realized how much that experience taught me within business, which is actually something that I never would have imagined. Mm -hmm. I have a question about the length of the relationship. How long were you together before you had to leave? Yeah, we were together for, I think, just over five years and um, we were together in those, in those vital years where you're, you're pretty sure that it's time to, um, to move forward, to get married, to build a family, built multiple businesses together. We had all of our lives very intertwined. So this was really the the one at the time. This felt like, you know, here we are, this is the one. Mm-hmm. Can you recall the moment that you knew, like, holy shit, I have to end, or I have to leave? Can you recall that? Yes, that is such a good question. I toughed it out. And, you know, it's interesting I knew very early on that I was in a relationship with somebody who was in crisis. And I think because of some of the ways that I grew up, some of the exposure that I had had to trying to be a fixer, trying to help people through um, situations that maybe we are just simply aren't equipped to help people through. I did, I knew early on. And so it was just year over year of me having conversations with myself internally about 
what to do. It was this sort of pendulum swinging between I've got to go, I've got to leave, this is not working versus you can't walk away from somebody. This is a disease. They need support. I can fix this, right? The idea that I could actually help this person heal. And, um, you know, he was in and out of recovery multiple times, rehab, really trying very hard to find a different path. And um, the final time for me, while he was in treatment, um, my therapist recommended that I go to a family program. It was down in the U.S. I think it was about a five-day program. So I drove down and I, I did this, this five days with probably about 50 other people who were all family members of alcoholics or addicts. And it was the first day of landing in that program where I looked around and I saw all of these people who had um, most of them spent the best years of their lives hoping that their loved one would um, find a different road. And I realized that I just didn't want to be 75 years old with, you know, decades of this loneliness, this futile feeling. Mm -hmm. Breakups suck. Yeah, they do. They're tough. So what was moving through that like for you, knowing that you're doing the right thing, but also these beliefs that you've now, like these, the new insights that you have having done this retreat or healing mm -hmm. excursion, really. I mean, you're learning so much in, a, in an environment like that. How did you look after yourself moving through that? And how did you stay committed to your decision? Well, I'll be honest. I would say it was not a healthy process. Um, when I look back, yes, I kind of dug deep and I found the, I don't know, the guts to kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I think I was just sort of guided by some deep, deep compass that I, that was so broken and so buried. My, my gut sense, my intuition was really foggy at the time. And I knew I had to do this, but to be honest, while I was there in the program itself, they actually pulled me aside because I did kind of raise my hand and say, you know, the entire program was really revolving around how to stay, how to stay, how to continue supporting your person. And every cell in my body was just like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. It was just screaming. And so I did put up my hand and, and I said, what if you don't know if you want to stay? What if you, what if you don't know if you can carry on? And they actually pulled me aside and said that if I was going to continue with that type of questioning, that maybe I should leave. And I think it was just those little moments like that, that lit that fire or that spoke to my my true self, that kind of rebel self where you're like, Hey, wait a second. I just, am going to give you the internal middle finger here because that's not right. And at the same time, you know, I didn't, I had a ton of shame around this. Nobody knew what I was going through with the exception of a few very close friends, pretty much all of who told me to stay, right? The advice from my girlfriends was if you leave now, you're too old to go have kids with somebody else. So you, you're going to waste these years. So you better just, you know, stay, make it work. You guys are the power couple, like on the outside, everything is so perfect. I'm sure he'll get through it. And, you know, the biggest thing that I heard from a lot of my friends at the time was, you know, everyone has a problem. Nobody's life is perfect and nobody's relationship is perfectly healthy. So I was so confused. I was so confused. So walking away from that relationship was messy 
embarrassing, filled with shame. It was not like this brave, awesome road where it was just like, hell yes, I'm, I'm on the path to freedom. Watch me go. It, it was probably like watching a, a train wreck. <laughs> mm, but you stuck with it. And so earlier in the conversation, you'd mentioned that a lot of your lessons in leaving that relationship were lessons that you were able to carry into some business decisions. Can you share a bit of that for us? Yeah. I mean, I think that um, it was the tremendous amount of healing that I had to move through. I mean, I, I had to recognize after, you know, there was a huge amount of loss in ending this relationship, loss of somebody that I loved, definitely uh, assets and a, and a life and a ho- and multiple homes. We had a number of homes and, and businesses and friendships and certainly your former, you know, family in-laws and all of these good things. So there was a, a huge healing journey that I had to give myself the grace to go on because I recognized that this wasn't my first relationship this like this. And also I had to take a hard look at the fact that on my business card, it said small business fixer. And I realized that I had a habit of fixing. I identified as a fixer. This is who I am. I roll in and I clean up your mess. So I had to take a very hard look at that. And that was probably not a a pretty road either. Lots of therapy, lots of coaching, humbling down and working with my own business coaches. But I think that the the gift in that is that over time, right, if you can allow yourself the grace of time, over time, you're able to start looking back at some of these big stumbles and little falls and all of it and start to see the way that it guided you toward your true self and the road that you belong on. And so This time when the pandemic hit and I was faced with as pretty much all brick and mortar business owners were the hardships that were ahead, I had to really dig deep because my gut told me that in order to be of service as fully as I could to my community, to my members, to the people people that I haven't yet met that I wanted to serve I knew that I had to close my business and right away it started to echo walking away from that relationship. I started to hear all of those same things, but you can't just walk away. You've invested so much time. You know, what will people say? It's perfect. It looks so great from the outside and you know, you're going to let so many people down. There were so many messages. But this time, instead of kind of digging into me, they just kind of pinged off like you're wearing armor. And I think that armor is just having a a much deeper sense than I did a decade ago of who I am and what I'm trying to do and why. And also how projected fear from other people shows up in our relationship. Yeah. 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 It's huge. It's huge. And I think that the thing that's really difficult, you know, if you ever find yourself in a relationship with somebody who is in crisis as, as my partner was everyone, you know, if you reach out to your friends and say, what should I do? Everyone has a different threshold for crisis. Everyone has a different 
kind of moral compass and experience. You know, I grew up in an environment where we made a lot of space for my dad to have temper and, and lots of, there was a lot going on with my dad that we normalized, that we tried to normalize and live with and pretend was fine. So I think that, you know, for a lot of us who grew up, say, in environments that had a lot of upset, it's in us to just say, no, you know what? This is fixable. You can navigate this and life isn't perfect for anybody and you can find your way through this. It's going to be fine. So that was the tough thing is that, you know, when you, when you look outward to your friend group, even your friends who love you and want the best for you, they're coming to the conversation with their own life experiences that just may not be aligned with the future that you, that you deserve and that you want for yourself. That's such a good point. Yeah. It's, I've been using the term external processing so much recently because it's been something that I've been working through, just trying to turn inward first. Like, what is it that I want or what I need? And why do I need to ask for the opinions of others? You know, because that often just confuses me and will make me tailspin. And then I can't really move forward. It's the validation. And I think that what has happened is I know for me, I can see now that you know, from when I was a little girl, my, my compass was broken and we're born, you know, we can all kind of look back and remember we're born with this deep sense of self and who we are. And we don't question it until that conditioning starts to happen. And it's nobody's fault. It's nobody's parents' fault. It's nobody's fault. But through just growing up in our families, around our peers, going through school and all of these different things, we've become conditioned And part of that conditioning, I think, especially for women is the question, what do you think I should do? What would you do? And the more we ask it, which is often for women, a way of actually just connecting, right? Sometimes we don't even care what other people think we should do, but it's a way that we connect, right? And so I think the more we ask that question, the more we bury our inner voice. And so you know, what's been so interesting about this is, is since I closed our brick and mortar business and moved our programming online, where we're focused so much more on mindset as part of holistic wellness versus leading really with movement, pretty much everything that we do is rooted in helping people reconnect to their compass and then strengthen that connection. But also really the the final step is how can you trust it? Because oftentimes hearing our our voice and understanding where we want to go is not the problem. It's just trusting the voice and the signs that we receive. We always sweep them under the rug. You know, oh, well, I'm pretty sure I know what I should do, but I don't know. Could that be, can it be right? You know, can it be that simple? Or this is what I know I want in my gut, but it's too crazy. It's too crazy. What will everybody say? Mm Mm-hmm. Let's fast forward to what you're doing now, the COVID lessons as well, you know, like shifting online. And what has that, I bet it's been a steep uphill climb. Yeah, it has been a massive personal adventure. I have to tell you, it has made me feel so deeply enamored with my team. Our team definitely shrunk you know, in the middle of the pandemic when we closed our our studio and, and moved strictly to online. But at the same time, it's allowed us the gift of being able to work with people who aren't local, people who are, you know, maybe a little bit farther away who we really love. But I think that the biggest challenges, the biggest challenges definitely, I think, with building an online business and an online community is staying 
very deeply connected to your purpose and staying authentic because social media and the online space is just so freaking full of noise. And a lot of it feels really inauthentic to me, right? I think trying to show up and have the most real conversations that you have and just really showing up and being of service is just, it's got to be the North Star. Um, as a team, we all personally have a practice of every Sunday night, we review our personal core values so that we can wake up every Monday morning and remember why we're getting out of bed and who we're here to serve. But the thing that has been remarkable is that moving online has proven to me that community is the most powerful energy we have on planet Earth. The connection between people cannot be limited by walls and the lack thereof. I think that so many of our members thought like, oh my gosh, all of our connection, you know, this, this tight community, this vibrant community, it's going to be gone. And in fact, I think it's strengthened tenfold. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you just mentioned uh, just something so beautiful with your team and reviewing core values. I want to come back to that. When it comes to personal practices, what are some that you personally have that help you bring your best self to your clients and your team? I think for me, um, what's so what's so interesting about that is in my personal practice is exactly what I help my clients do to the letter. And it's actually kind of by accident. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, when a lot of movement coaches were coming out with daily workouts and yoga practices on Instagram, I saw that to me, it's like, okay, this box is checked. People have options to move, which is one of the most important ways to stay connected to yourself, in my opinion. So I was really nervous, but I've had this eight step morning practice that I've been doing for the last several years that really helped me sort of recover from this past relationship and move into a sort of healthier mindset. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to share this mindset practice on Instagram every single morning, seven days a week. And it felt so deeply personal but I just knew it was the best way that I could contribute at that crazy time when all of us thought the apocalypse was here and the world was ending. And it actually evolved into the entire foundation of our online business. So for me, it's about without fail, no matter what, waking up and sticking to my morning practice right away, which is just kind of a series of eight little things that I go through for mindset strengthening moving every single day, whether that's having a workout, a yoga practice, a nice long walk or hike, feeding my body with the best possible fuel and, and feeding my body from a place of self-love instead of, you know, all the other reasons that we often look to food to, to change our shape and to lose weight and all these different things. And then certainly connecting you know, making sure that we're looking people in the eye and putting out there into the world, the amount of kindness that we would like to receive in return. Mm -hmm. This is so beautiful, Erin. Thank you. I have my three safe haven style questions. You ready? Cool. What are you most proud of? (gasps) My stepkids. They're magic. Yeah. They're the strongest, most badass humans I've ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. What would you like to be known for? Oh gosh, helping people reconnect with their true self. And if you had a message for everyone listening, what would it be? Um, Oh my goodness. I think the biggest thing is just small steps. Trust your voice, trust your voice. And, you know, in listening to your voice, just take small steps forward. I think oftentimes we 
hear our gut and we either want to take a huge, huge action or we want to just stifle it down. And it's just, you know, take your time, deep breaths, slow steps. Mm -hmm. Where can people find you online? Um, People can find us online at Light Thrive, um, lightthrive.com. Light Thrive has a funny spelling, um, which I'm sure you'll put in uh, the show notes. Mm -hmm. And they can find me on Instagram too at Erin Morahan. Yeah, that's where we are. Yeah, I'll definitely be putting that in the show notes. Erin, thank you so much for sharing with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Erin, thank you so, so much for your time today. And just to everyone listening, this was such a cool connection. And I wanted to give a huge shout out to Elaine. Thank you so much for putting us in touch. And for anyone who is into card readings and just energy and magic and all of the beautiful things of life, there was such a cool moment that happened where Aaron and I had connected on a really vulnerable level before and after this recording had taken place. And afterwards, I started sharing some of my most beautiful visions and and what I want from this life, some of my biggest goals and dreams are, and I tend to keep those really close to my heart. So anyway, I had been sharing this stuff and she goes, how do you, how do you feel about card readings? How do you feel about flipping a card? Do you want, I just, I really feel compelled to flip one of these beautiful cards that I have by Esther Sanchez. Are you, are you interested in this at all? And I said, oh my gosh, yes, please, please, please. So she reached behind her and she told me that she really felt the cougar card in this deck was going to really resonate with me. So sure enough, she reaches back behind her and she grabs this gorgeous deck. Okay, so just so that you know, they're called the Animal Magic Oracle Cards. So she reaches behind her, she opens up the box, and of course, the Cougar card is right on top. So Erin, I just adore you. I appreciate you. I love the work that you're doing and the time that you gave to me before, during, and even since the recording means the world to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with my platform and I am committed to creating a safe, brave, and inclusive space with intention. If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, please screenshot the screen while you're listening, send it to your friends, and share it in your Instagram stories. Please be sure to tag us at The Safe Haven Podcast so we can personally thank you for it. If you're able to write a review or leave a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, that really helps this podcast grow. For more great podcasts, Check out FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com and I will talk to you next week.